And this has to be really one of the most well-known psalms that we have or that we read. And we've titled today's message, The Prayer of Repentance. The Prayer of Repentance. I want to ask you, have you prayed this prayer, the prayer of repentance? How important is a prayer like this in your life? Because here David writes this psalm, and history tells us that he's writing this psalm after having been confronted by Nathan the prophet when he, after he had gone in with Bathsheba and now he had committed adultery and then after he had committed murder as well, setting up her husband Uriah to go to the hottest part of the battle to be able to fight. And there Uriah had died also that David can cover up his sin. Have you ever tried to cover up your own sin and we fail? We try to cover up our guilt. We try to cover up our shame. We try to cover up things that, that we know that do not please God because in our own guilt and our own shame, really they convict us. But here what David does in Psalms 51 is that he prays a prayer of repentance. Now this is a man after God's own heart. This is the only man in the Bible that God calls the man after God's own heart now. This is a man who won with Goliath, but he failed with Bathsheba. <laughs> now I want you to remember that, memorize that. Because just because you had a victory when it came to Goliath doesn't mean that you could potentially fail in the area of Bathsheba. <laughs> and if it wasn't one attack, then it was the other attack. And what David is did is that he stood on a rooftop and he started to entertain temptation. You know what happens when you entertain temptation? You enter into temptation. <laughs> and then you end up sinning. And sin leads to death. David was doing what he was not supposed to be doing. And he ended up in a place where he shouldn't have been. And there now we have Psalms 51 because he was confronted with the truth about his sin. That's something that we really don't like. None of us here like to be confronted about the truth of our sin. We want to make sure that we feel and what we feel is important to us, what gives us pleasure, that we're able to entertain it and nurture it and cultivate it. But here David was confronted with the truth about his sin now. And if there's one thing that we learn about Psalms 51 is that you cannot hide sin forever. You may think that we can hide sin, but we cannot hide sin. And this psalm is a psalm that has a lot of conviction. And from conviction, you have then confession. And after you have confession, then you have consecration. You see, there are three different words that I want you to remember tonight as we go to Psalms 51. And number one is conviction. Do you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Or have you turned your back on God? The conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads you, that guides you. We all need the conviction of the Holy Spirit, especially in the times that we live in, because the conviction of the Holy Spirit will lead you to confession in the presence of God. And there, as you're confessing in the presence of God, notice what happens then. Then consecration begins. Holiness begins. Sanctification begins. Psalm 51, David goes before the Lord and he puts his request to God because he feels alone and he feels ashamed. You know what happens when you harbor sin? 
unrepented sin, it robs you of your joy and it robs you of your peace and it also robs you of your fellowship with God to the point where there are often times you can't hear the voice of God. I had many of people that have come and told me, I don't have peace in my heart. I don't have peace in my life. I feel very anxious. I feel very lonely. And oftentimes that is the byproduct of unrepented sin in one's life. Because we haven't gone to the presence of God to repent, to restore fellowship with the Lord. We need to restore fellowship with God here in Psalms 51, verse 4, we see this, the prayer of repentance, and there are going to be three major things that we're going to look at today. And number one, he prays this. He prays, Lord, number one, cleanse me. Number two, restore me. And number three, use me. <laughs> what if you took those three phrases into your prayer closet tonight? And you said, Lord, number one, I want you to cleanse me. Lord, I want you to restore me. And God, I want you to use me. Because God cannot use you until first he has restored you. And the restoration happens right after the cleansing. Lord, cleanse me, restore me, and use me now. Now notice what it says here, Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and only you I have sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you have made me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear the joy of, and gladness, that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities." Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask that tonight you would do those three things for us, that, that we get to pray the prayer of repentance from the heart, that we come in conviction, that we come, Lord, with confession, so that consecration can happen, Lord. Lord, cleanse us, restore us, and use us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Together the church said. Now you notice here that in Psalms 51, David is struggling with his shame and he's coming to the Lord's presence. And this is how he begins the cleanse me portion of this chapter. He says, have mercy upon me, O God. That is the prayer of that person that comes in and understands that we need forgiveness, the unfailing love of God in that situation. There's nothing else that you need but God's unfailing love. And he's crying out, Lord, cleanse me. But before you cleanse me, Lord, I want you to, number one, have mercy 
And look at the different now requests that David asked throughout this psalm and underline that highlight in your Bible. Notice his first request is have mercy upon me, O God. He's speaking about the unfailing love of God upon his life. Why is he asking for mercy according to your loving kindness? Have mercy upon me, Lord, not according to what I deserve, but according to your mercy, according to your goodness, according to your unfailing love. According to your nature, Lord. Because he understands the sin that is in his life. You see, it's been said before that what dirt is to the body, sin is to the inner person. What dirt is to the body, sin is to the inner person. And here what he's going to say is, Lord, cleanse me now from defilement. Cleanse me from defilement because it's been caused by me touching something unclean. We've been involved in something that is unclean that God has to cleanse us from because we have been defiled by sin. David understands that this broken fellowship in his life with the Lord has to do with hidden sin. Had to do with secret sin. So he says, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude. Notice how he goes here in verse 1. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. See, this is such a comforting prayer. Because just like David, you and I both have been in a place where we need to run to the Lord's presence with these words. We need to go to God and Lord and say, Lord, we want you to have compassion on us because of the greatness of the multitude of your mercies based upon your covenant love. Don't you love that David goes to the Lord and says, based off who you are, based off your promises, based off your loyalty, Lord, blot out my transgression, erase them, purify my transgression now, wash me of my sins. You know, the word transgression is a, is a word of not only missing the mark, but willfully crossing the line. That's a transgression. Willfully crossing the line. And David is saying, I know that I not only miss the mark as I sin, I willfully cross the line, Lord. And I want because of your, the multitude of your mercies, God, because of your covenant love, Lord, the only appropriate response right now in my heart, what he's saying, is to blot out the sins in my life. How many of us need to come before the Lord today and say that? Lord, forgive me. Today we want to ask for justice instead of asking for forgiveness. You know what justice is without Christ? Justice is judgment. <laughs> justice is judgment, but in Christ, justice is forgiveness because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And this is exactly what he's telling us now. That we ought to come to the Lord now in, in forgiveness. Notice what he says now in verse 2, wash me. I've been defiled, Lord. I, I've sinned. I've done something that I was not supposed to do. And I'm, I feel the guilty or the guilt of my sin and the shame of my sin. In verse 2, wash me thoroughly. Lord, take your time in cleansing my life right now. You see that he's so desperate? Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity or from my sin now and cleanse me from my sin. What is he asking for? Cleansing. Cleansing for what? For consecration. Consecration means that you're separated, you're purified, you're set apart for the Lord. You're set apart from the world and set apart for the Lord. And he's saying, Lord, 
purify me. When was the last time you heard that word purity? <laughs> Oftentimes we don't like to hear that word purity. But you know what purity means in the eyes of God? It means holiness. And what he's saying here, David is saying, Lord, I need purity in my life. I need holiness. There are often times in our life that we allow things to come into our lives that are not pure. And you know what they start to do? They start to corrupt our character. And once that happens, you know, you know what happens right there? Is that it grieves the Holy Spirit. It's so sad how many people come to church in and out, maybe even try to spend time with the Lord, but their life is grieving the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when you grieve the Holy Spirit? You can't hear the voice of God. And you're walking around anxious, fearful, frustrated, disillusioned. Because there are things in your life that ought not to be there. Here, what David understands is that his life, the sin in his life, has grieved the presence of God. Has grieved the presence of God. Now the Holy Spirit cannot do what it needs to do in David's life. Now notice verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions. I recognize my rebellion. It's not somebody else's fault. I know that I'm the problem as well. It was my fault, Lord. He's taking accountability for his sins. And he's not coming and saying, well, Lord, you know what? I, you know I've messed up. No, he's saying, Lord, you know my rebellion. You know my heart. You know that I've sinned before. He said, I acknowledge the transgressions or the rebellion of my heart. It says, and my sin is always before me. You know what happens when you grieve the Holy Spirit? He's saying here, my sin is haunting me. It's like a heavy burden that I'm carrying because I haven't asked the Lord for forgiveness. And that's what happens when we don't ask the Lord for forgiveness. We are carrying the weight of sin with us. And what David is saying, look at the sin is always before me. It, it haunts me now. I feel a strong conviction. And he goes on and he says this in verse 4, against you, you only. <laughs> now, underline that in your Bible, against you, you only. Because David knew that he didn't sin only against Bathsheba. He knew that he didn't sin only against Uriah. He knew he didn't sin only against the kingdom. He sinned against God. And every time we sin, notice this, it's not, not so much even directly at the person that we've sinned and we have offended, but you've offended God. We've offended God. And what he recognizes here in verse 4 is that David is saying, I recognize my rebellion. I know that I've offended you, Lord, in your holiness, in your righteousness, that I have sinned in your sight, in the sight of God. And he goes on and he says, Against you I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. It was in the sight of God. He cannot hide it. He maybe thought that he can hide it, that he can manipulate away so that no one would find out the secret sin. And that no one would, would realize what's taking place in David's life. But Noah, inside it, he was miserable because he was hiding something. And it says this as we continue reading verse 4, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Lord, you're a just God. And you will be proved right in what you say and how you judge me because I am guilty. Lord, however you judge, you will be right in the way you do that. Because I'm guilty. 
Behold, I was brought up, verse 5, forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Lord, it was in my sin nature that I, I was born, realized who I am. And he's, he's making, he's coming here in confession to the Lord. He's saying, Lord, I really need you. Because I see that my life is broken with this hidden sin inside. In fact, he goes on and he starts to pray not only with, Lord, cleanse me, but he, he starts to realize what is it that God desires. He desires integrity. You know what sin kills integrity? It ruins character. It corrupts character. Sin corrupts character. And, and no matter what we try to do to try to conceive our sin, it demonstra it's demonstrated in our character. And we can't hide our character. You might try to lie to yourself, but you can't lie to God. And David started to realize here, he knows that what God wants is integrity. Now notice as he goes on in verse 6, Behold, you desire truth. What does God desire from us? Truth, integrity, honesty here it says. In the inward parts from your heart, he desires integrity. He desires character now, he's saying. And, and in the hidden part, in the inward and in the hidden, how does your life look there? <laughs> Oftentimes we want to paint a beautiful picture of how our life looks for other people. Especially in, the, in the, the world and the culture that we live in today. We want people to look into our lives and that it looks beautiful and perfect. But how does your life look in the inward and in the hidden? <laughs> because those are the parts that God is looking at. The inward and the hidden. That's where God determines what your character is worth. What is your character worth today? If it was put on a scale before the Lord. Now he's saying you desire truth in the inward and in the hidden. You will make me to know wisdom. Lord, it's only through you that I can know wisdom. It is only through you that I can discern answers. What you desire is integrity and honesty. Honesty, right? You, you really are as only as effective in life as you are honest. And here, you know what David realizes? That he no longer is effective as a leader because he's not being honest. He's hiding something. He's lying. He's living a lie. And it goes on and it says this, purge me now. This is this, the word purge me means to not only wash me or cleanse me. This is another word that he used. And he's saying purge me with hyssop. Do a ceremonial cleansing on my life. I need you to purge me, Lord, with hyssop. Purify me and I will be clean. Wash me here and I shall be whiter than snow. You know, hyssop is what they would use in the Old Testament. It was like a leafy branch almost, a hyssop, right? And what they would do is they, they would use this branch to sprinkle the blood on the altar of the sacrifice, right, as a cleansing. They would use this hyssop or this branch to sprinkle blood as a tool to sprinkle blood and what David is saying Lord sprinkle your blood Lord of cleanse me and wash me Lord I want to be whiter than snow think about how you come before the presence of God saying Lord this is there something that I'm dealing with but I want you to purge me I want you to sprinkle your blood Lord 
purge me and make me whiter than snow. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Do you, do you remember what the Lord said to the prophet Isaiah where he says, Come now, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. <laughs> don't hide, don't leave, don't try to run away from God with your sin. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, that they're very evident, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they should be as wool. You see what the Lord wants to do in our lives? He wants to restore. He wants to cleanse. He wants to purify a cleansing agent. And we have cleansing now through the finished work of Jesus Christ. In fact, 1 John 1, 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. What is it that we ought to be running to the Lord for? For the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Lord, I want you to cleanse me with your blood. What is he, has he said here in the first year, even seven verses? Cleanse me. But then he goes from cleanse me, he goes now to restore me. We need to be restored as well. Because you know what sin does? It beats you up. It holds you back. It, it really stagnates you in your walk with the Lord. And you find yourself bound by sin. But here he's saying, Lord, not only cleanse me, free me from this, from being bound now, and restore my life. Restore my life from what sin did to it. From all the years that sin robbed me, that the enemy robbed me because of sin. Now notice this in verse 8, and he goes on, Make me hear joy and gladness. <laughs> Why is he saying make me hear joy and gladness? Because he's not hearing that. He's hearing sorrow and shame. See, when we backslide it, we start to live a life of sin. We might think that it brings us pleasure, but it really brings us misery. And he's saying, Lord, I want the joy that I had when I was in your presence, Lord. Restore me that joy back. Give me that joy once again. Give me the joy again. In fact, he says here, that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. I want to rejoice again, Lord. Give me back gladness because I feel the weight of sin and of guilt, Lord, and my bones physically feel broken now. Don't keep looking at my sin, he's going to say right now, Lord. He wants mercy. And he goes on and he says this, hide your face from my sin. Do not keep looking at my sin. And he's saying here, and blot out my iniquities. Remove the stain of my guilt. How heavy is it for us to walk around with guilt? It's, it's You know what it is? It's destructive. And it doesn't let us have the peace and the joy of God. It doesn't let us have the peace and the joy of the Lord. We're here he's saying, Lord, restore to me that joy that you once gave me. The joy of being in your presence. The joy of serving you. The joy of, uh, of Lord, of knowing you. The joy of spending time with you now. And then notice what he says in verse 10 now. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Lord, look straight into my heart. Some of us need to pray that prayer. Create in me a what? A clean heart. Because the Lord, when He purifies, when He, when he consecrates, you know what He goes directly to? The inner and the hidden, and that's your heart. That's your heart. Create in me a clean heart now and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, the word create, notice this. It's the very same word that we see throughout Scripture as we get to know God, the God of creation, this word create is, is saying, Lord, do what only you can do in my heart. 
Do what only you can do within my heart. Oftentimes we want something else or someone else to heal our hearts. But he's saying, Lord, I want you to create something in my heart that only you can do in my heart. Create a clean heart. And that's something that only you can do. The Lord needs to come into our hearts oftentimes and do an open heart surgery and give us a heart transplant. So that he can purify the things that are there that don't belong. Now notice as he goes on in David, it's, this, this psalm is so heavy because he's saying, a clean heart, O God, and renew here. Not only now restore, but also renew. You know what renewal speaks of? Of recommitment. Lord, I, I don't only want to be restored. I want to renew now my commitment with you. I want to renew a steadfast or a loyal spirit within me for you only. I don't want to have a spirit that is now loyal to you and then loyal to a lot of other things. Renew a loyal spirit with me, a renewal of commitment now here. Lord, I want to be loyal. I want to be faithful to you, God. Let us renew our relationship. And he goes on and he says, do not cast me away from your presence. Why does he say, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me? Notice the, the reference to the Holy Spirit in the Psalms. This is beautiful. But what he's saying here in verse 10 and 11, he's saying, Lord, renew me, restore me, God, but don't banish me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit away from me. Wow. You know what David knows how it feels like to worship God? He knows what it feels like to be a worship leader. David recognizes and he remembers what it's like to face Goliath. David recognizes and remembers what it's like to live a life of spiritual victory. And right now, he's living a life of spiritual defeat. And therefore, what he's doing, he's saying, Lord, don't cast me away from your presence. Why does he say that? Because he knows that he can't be in the presence of God living in sin. So he's saying, Lord, don't cast me away from your presence or take the Holy Spirit away from me. What David desired was the power and the presence of God in his life. And he's saying, I know that the fellowship is being broken, Lord. Renew the fellowship. You see what David really realized right there is that not only is he asking for forgiveness and renewal because of sin, he understands that it grieves the Holy Spirit, but you know, he knew what you know what he, he didn't want to forsake or forfeit? The anointing. The anointing in his life. And oftentimes, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, you know what? There's no more anointing. You can do whatever you want, say the best words, sing the best songs, pretend that everything is okay, but there's no more anointing. And David was a man that was anointed by God. David was a man that got anointed several times in his life of ministry. And he's saying, Lord, don't take me away from your presence or do not remove the anointing. Because he knew that the anointing was that one that kept him close to the Lord. How does the anointing in your life look today? The power and the presence of God, that's the anointing right there. God's hand upon you. And we decide to live in sin. You know what the Lord says? All right. He removes his hand. And he's saying, you want to play with sin? Then he removes his hand. Because his hand cannot be on sin. His hand cannot be on sin. And he realizes here in verse 10 and 11 here that sin will rob you from the presence of God. Sin will rob you from the presence of God. Soon then, 
you will try to hear the voice of God, but you won't have discernment to hear the voice of God because you're now clouded with the now lens of sin in the flesh. And you can't hear the voice of God. So he goes on in verse 12 and it says, Restore. This is beautiful. Restore. Isn't this something that we want? We run to the Lord for safety. We run to the Lord and say, Lord, don't remove your anointing, please, on me, God. I know that I have sinned, but Lord, cleanse me, purify me, purge me, Lord. Make me whiter than snow. And then in verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy, again, of your salvation. What does he want in his life? Joy. Have you ever felt brokenhearted? You feel no joy. You know, this, this psalm is not only a prayer of repentance, this is also a prayer of brokenness. This is what it looks like to be broken before the Lord. This is a man that's saying, I'm coming before the Lord. I know that inward and the hidden parts are, are, are filled with sin. Lord, forgive me. And he's saying, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me now. Not only restore, but uphold, which means strengthen me Give me strength now and support now by your generous spirit. How is he going to get support? How, how will you get support as the Lord is restoring you? By the Holy Spirit. He knew that the Holy Spirit would minister to his life. He's saying, Lord, restore me. Only your spirit can strengthen me. Only your, and I love this, that he uses this word, generous spirit. <laughs> how many of us know that the Lord is generous when it comes to the Holy Spirit? That's what the Lord said. If you think you know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father not give good gifts to his children if they ask for the Holy Spirit? What is it that we ought to be asking in our prayer time? Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, bless me with your generous spirit. I want to live in your presence, God. You know, David here, he didn't want to lose the help and the strength of the Holy Spirit. He didn't want to lose God's hand upon him because when you lose that, you lose your effectiveness in ministry now because the anointing is gone. And he knew that his life wasn't worth much without the Holy Spirit. Then he says, after saying, cleanse me, then he says, restore me. Finally, now he says, use me. Cleanse me, restore me, and use me. Now, look at verse 13 when he says, use me, because this, this part of using him is, is now David that has a, a heart for the Lord. But he said, not only has a heart for the Lord, but he's saying, Lord, I want you to use my life. And this is the outcome from verse 13 to verse 19, the outcome of repentance. Would you write that down, the outcome of repentance? This is what happens when you fully repent. God can use you. But he cannot use you if there's unrepented sin. He can't bless you with his presence if there's unrepented sin. In fact, we must come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm surrendering. This here is a psalm of brokenness, of surrender, of repentance now, of saying, Lord, don't take your hand away from me. Lord, I want the anointing on my life. And then he says this, then I will teach. Then, speaks of after. After this, then. I love this, this, this order here. Then I will teach transgressors or those that rebel against you or those that sin now your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Wow. Isn't this beautiful right here? Then I'm going to teach those 
that are walking away from you or that are not walking in your ways. I'm going to teach those that are rebelling against God's will now because I've experienced His grace on my life. Lord, have grace. Lord, have mercy on my life. And from my own experience of God's grace in my life, I'm going to go and do one thing, teach. Teach. And when He teaches, what's going to happen? Conversions. (laughs) This is one of my favorite verses for me. Because I pray, I say, Lord, if you bless me with your spirit, if you bless us with your spirit as a church, then we're going to teach your word, and then we're going to see what? Conversions. You want to see conversions all around you? You know how conversions happen from people, sinners being converted to the Lord? Is, is when we are holy instruments. We oftentimes don't see conversions because there's no holiness. God uses holy instruments. And the power and the conversions happen through the pure anointing and the teaching from the Holy Spirit now. Lord, then I will teach sinners your ways. And notice what he says here, and they will be converted to you. (laughs) Because I've been purified, because I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience of the grace of God. And he goes on, verse 14, deliver me from my guilt, God. Forgive me, Lord, of bloodshed. What is he saying, bloodshed? Forgive me of murder. Oftentimes we go to the presence of God and say, forgive me, Lord, you know I'm a sinner. You know what David starts to do? He starts to name his sins. (laughs) He's being very honest before the Lord. Lord, he's saying, I'm a murderer. I I, I committed murder right here. That's when you know it's it's true confession. When you're not trying to hide it in your prayer. When he's saying, Lord, you know, I have a problem with this. And you start to name that sin. And I want you to cleanse me of that. I want you to give me power to overcome that. I want you to restore to me the joy of your salvation because this, this is robbing me from fellowship with you. Notice what he says here as well. Deliver me from my guilt of murder that I have committed, the God of my salvation. Oh God, you are the God that can save me from this situation. And he says, and my tongue, and my tongue is after. When you do this, when you deliver me, My tongue, my mouth, my lips shall sing aloud of your righteousness. This is a man that experienced God's grace and he wanted to go do what? Teach others the grace of God. And then afterward it says in verse 14, And my tongue shall sing aloud, or Lord, unseal my mouth, touch my lips, and I will sing joyfully of your praise, and joyfully I will sing of your forgiveness. I'm going to go walk around and, and I'm going to praise you because of your forgiveness. Open my mouth and I will show you praise and make you praise so that I can share with others. There's one thing that we want the Lord to do is to touch our lips with a coal from his altar. What happened with Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6? When he saw the vision of the Lord, what did he say? I'm undone. I'm a mess. I'm a man of unclean lips. And you know what happened is that the Lord sent his angel, and what did he do? He touched his lips from the coal of the altar. Holiness. Holiness is what we need. What David is saying here in Psalm 51 is saying, Lord, open my mouth, open me so that I can share with others. Do you notice that oftentimes when there's sin taking place in our lives, we don't even want to share, we don't even have a desire to share? Oftentimes we even want to, but we don't even have the words, we can't. Because there's something inside that's grieving the spirit. 
Now notice in verse 16, he starts to talk about what God desires. But before he talks about what God desires, he has to talk about what God doesn't desire. <laughs> God doesn't simply want activity. God wants honesty. And we, we better make sure that we don't confuse the bo both of those. Because he says here, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. David was a man that had wealth. He could have sacrificed whatever the Lord wanted of him. He says, you do not delight or you don't find pleasure in burnt offerings. Lord, it's not the sacrifice or the burnt offering that, that you're looking at. I know that's not what you want. God does not want. Notice this verse here is so important because God doesn't want routine. God doesn't want routine. Oftentimes we fall into a very spiritual rut because of routine. And we think that we're pleasing God in our routine now. But this is not what God desires. The sacrifices that, that, that we're offering, if they're with the wrong heart, they don't bring any pleasure to God. They don't bring any delight to God. What are sacrifices? The sacrifices are really an outward form of an inward reality. And if that outward form doesn't come first with an inward reality that honors God, then it doesn't please God because what God is seeing is not the sacrifice. He's seeing the heart. And he will not accept the sacrifice that's coming with the wrong heart. He's not going to accept it. It, it becomes a, a ritual without genuine repentance. You know what that is? It's just useless. Are we, are we guilty oftentimes of offering the Lord something without repentance? Because it doesn't please the Lord. It, it's, it's, it's spiritual works that are unanointed. Think about that. Spiritual works that are unanointed, they don't come from the right heart. They're not coming from the right heart. But with the right heart, with the right attitude, the sacrifice can be accepted. You think God's going to offer something that we offer with dirty hands? He's not. He's not going to do that. And he says, Lord, I know that you don't desire or else I would give you these offerings, this, this spiritual activity, Lord, but, or spiritual works, but they're unanointed. I want you to purify me. It says here now, the sacrifices of God, these are the ones that God desires. <laughs> this is the key right here. That unlocks a life of joy in the Lord. When you stay right here, you stay living on verse 17 for the rest of your life. You want to please God, stay here. Because he goes from repentance, he goes from confession, he goes from humility to, to, to now humility. A contrite heart. A broken spirit. This is why we say that we don't only want to come to the Lord to be broken, we also want to stay broken. <laughs> and God can use you. God can use you. He uses that type of vessel. Notice what it says in verse 17. The sacrifices of God, what are they? A broken spirit. That's the sacrifice that you desire, that you find pleasure in, is a broken spirit. Now, and it says here, and a broken, again, another time, it says broken, and a contrite heart, not only a spirit, but a contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise, or you will not reject, or refuse now, someone that comes with a heart of humility, of brokenness, because this is what you want. You see, there's nothing more that God wants than brokenness and humility. That's the attitude, not the proudful attitude, not the attitude that is harboring sin. God 
finds pleasure. Notice this, when you come in obedience. Verse 17 is all about obedience. You can't try to serve the Lord if we're not living in obedience. Because it doesn't even matter. They're just unanointed works. Now do you see here, this is a life of obedience. You won't despise this. God is looking for repentance. God is looking for humility before He sees offerings and sacrifices. And oftentimes as a church, as believers, we think, what can we do for God? Instead of saying, how can we come before God? Before you sing, what can I do for God? Say, how can I come before Him? Because that's the first step to pleasing the Lord, coming to Him the right way. Coming to Him the right way. That's the offering God wants you to give, your heart. <laughs> Make that the offering. Not your work. Make your heart the offering. And out of that offering is going to come works that are anointed. Out of the offering are going to come works that are pleasing to the Lord. Are you offering what He desires? Are you offering them something else because you think it looks like everyone else? Now, verse 18, it says this, Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. And he says, look to Jerusalem with favor. <laughs> now, some would say, well, what is he talking about Jerusalem for, for with favor? Because he knows that his sin affected the kingdom. Lord, look upon us with, isn't this what we should be praying right now? That we should come as a country and say, Lord, our sin has got us here. Please look to us right now with favor. We need favor. We need God's grace. We need God's mercy that, that He would not only not give us what we do deserve, but that He would also with favor give us what we don't deserve. <laughs> and that is His protection. That is His love now. So He's saying, do good in your good pleasure. Look with us with favor now. And it says, and build the walls of Jerusalem. Rebuild our land. Isn't this beautiful? This is going to take us into this weekend. This is going to take us into the next week. We're going to stand here a week from today with a decision that a lot of us have made. Trusting in the Lord that what He wants, His plans are prevailing. But you know what the Lord wants? He wants your heart. He wants our heart. You think about it, it doesn't matter how much we vote, it matters if we repent. <laughs> because that's when we're really going to see the blessing. Here's the, the blessing is always in the brokenness. The blessing is in the brokenness. And he says, Lord, rebuild your walls of Jerusalem now. Rebuild our land. We need help, Lord. Build the walls now. He knew his sin affected Jerusalem. And he says, and then, then notice this, verse 19, you shall be pleased. Then you shall be pleased, Lord. You shall be pleased with what? After you have rebuilt, after you've received the heart, then you shall be pleased with the sacrifice of what? Of righteousness. Lord, we want to come and offer the sacrifice of righteousness on the altar. And, and the best place to offer, or the, uh, you know, the best offering to sacrifice at that altar is your own life. It's to get on the altar and say, Lord, I am the sacrifice. I have come humbly, Lord. I need you, Lord Jesus. We've, and it says here, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, which are offerings of repentance, offering of now covering sin, 
Then you shall offer bulls on your altar. What is God pleased with? God is pleased with that person that, yeah, maybe is, has backslidden like David. He backslid in sin. But you know what he did? He returned to the Lord. And that's the key right there. He returned to the Lord. Maybe we're dealing with some kind of sin, but have you repented to return to the Lord? And when I say return to the Lord, it means you return the right way. Return the right way. You see that in Jeremiah, that the prophet Jeremiah continues to, to cry out to the nation of Israel to return to the Lord. <laughs> return Jerusalem because you have played a harlot. You've gone with all these idols and with these gods and, and you're allowing all the sin in your life. But the Lord says that he's not going to remain angry forever. Isn't that amazing about the Lord? That he doesn't remain angry forever. That he has a mercy available. And his generous spirit is so willing to come to minister to us. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14, it says, Return. Jeremiah 3 verse 14, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord. For I'm married to you. I will take you from one, a city, and two from a family. And I will bring you to Zion. And then in verse 22, later on, of Jeremiah chapter 3, it says, Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. That's so beautiful there, that promise. Because he's saying, I'm going to heal your backsliding. So what does the Lord offer us in Psalms 51? He offers us that he's going to cleanse. He offers us that he's going to restore. But he offers us that he's going to use. How are we to come? With a broken and with a contrite spirit. Can we come to the Lord with a broken and contrite spirit tonight and say, Lord, we need you. We just want to be honest, Lord, we need you. I don't want your hand to be away from us, Lord. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, Lord, with, and just be a part of a, a spiritual works that are not anointed. If we've grieved the Holy Spirit, it's time to say, Lord, we repent. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit any longer in our lives. By spiritual apathy, by being passive believers and Christians, by allowing compromise in our lives. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you.